Hey there! Welcome to Imperfectly Pollyanna, a podcast where we have real and honest talk while finding the positive in the imperfections, whether in homeschool, faith, health, or overall life. I am your host, Courtney, a faith-filled homeschool mom of two, certified health coach, medical professional, and eternal optimist. For those of you parents out there or grandparents, aunts, uncles, whomever, do you know of someone in your life that has the diagnosis of ADHD? Now, I am not going to say that I know even a fraction of information on it, but I do know that there are several people in the homeschool world that they decided to homeschool their kids for either that reason, because their child has ADHD and was struggling in school, or they felt like they could give a better education to their child from learning at home. Or there are people that have children that maybe they've never been diagnosed officially, but they do kind of have those thoughts. And so homeschool works really well for some of them. However, some still struggle because just because you homeschool doesn't mean that all your kids' problems go away. (laughs) But like I said, I don't even know a fraction of information about it. So I really wanted to bring in a professional. And that's where my guest today comes in, Tyler Dorsey. Tyler was diagnosed with ADHD in the fifth grade and struggled throughout her school career to keep up with projects, stay organized, and maintain a schedule. After failing her first semester in college, she was ready to manage her ADHD instead of letting it manage her. She found a support system, developed a plan, and built a toolkit of concepts and tips that she could lean on. She went from feeling like she was always running behind to taking control of her life. It was then that she opened her own business so that she could help others who are struggling with the same obstacles that she faced for so long. And she is excited to be here to help your child find their superpower in the chaos of ADHD. Well, welcome to the podcast, Tyler. I'm so excited about what you're going to share today and all the great resources, information. I love your story and hearing how you came to basically you're changing lives now just because of the struggles that you had as a child. And so I know, you know, we're talking a little bit about ADHD and from a way to be able to help those parents that are really struggling with a child that has been diagnosed with that. But before we talk a little bit about that, would you mind just sharing your story about what was it like as a child um, at home? You know, even what were some of those signs and symptoms to lead to an actual diagnosis? Yeah. So the best way to describe both at home and what was going on in my head at school was world war three, like at home, it was constant fighting and just a constant battle that no one ever won. It was just never ending. And then in my head, it was constant fighting with myself and a constant battle to figure out just like what in God's name was going on. Like, why could I not be successful or feel successful? And all of that started When I was in about, I remember first grade, I actually remember in kindergarten playing very different than most people. So ADHD, they say there's a presentation for boys and a presentation for girls. And I hear it all the time. I hear it from professionals and I hear it from like people diagnosed. And I want to say that's a load of BS because 
I presented like a boy and I'm throwing up air quotes right now. And I cannot tell you how many women I've met who also presented like a boy in the hyperactive state. And I think what I've noticed is that the people in their like late twenties and thirties who have been diagnosed as a child and they're women, most of them presented like a boy. Most of them had a little bit more of that hyperactive component, whether they were diagnosed, I was technically diagnosed in attentive type. And that is a big fat lie. I was very impulsive and I was very hyperactive, but my parents saw that at home. It wasn't really shown at school, but they saw it at home. And that combined with my struggles at school is what led us to like me getting diagnosed and going down that road. So I say all that to go back to in kindergarten, I remember playing very different than the other girls. The other girls always played in the play kitchen at school and they always played with all the girly stuff and they just wanted to do like the normal stuff. I wanted to go build blocks with the boys and build towers. And I remember like distinctly the kitchen was in a corner and then there was this big rug and you could pull out the different baskets with like building stuff. And I remember all the boys were there and I just wanted to be there, but I felt like I had to be over with the girls in the kitchen. I was like, no one else, like all the boys are the only ones playing over there. So that is like my first memory that stands out of me being just like a little bit different. And then in first grade is when the, like the academic struggles really started. That's when we had those simple spelling tests, like spell the and cat is all three letter words or at even two letter or I, right? Like I, like I O U I not eyeball I. And I like struggled with all of that. And I'm mildly, mildly dyslexic as well. But the problem wasn't that the problem that I was, was that I was never studying. It was that I was never applying myself and I was never doing anything. And I know that because I remember when I got to my next spelling test, it was like three spelling tests into the school year. And my dad was like, Tyler, why don't you let me study with you? So my dad and I spent like 20 minutes, 30 minutes studying. And I don't remember what my actual grade was, but I know it was in the eighties. It was like an 87 or something like that. And beforehand I was literally failing them all. And so that's when I kind of realized like, I'm not normal. Something is different. And so in the second grade, my teacher actually brought up to my mom that they thought I might have ADHD and she like knew it was a possibility, but she didn't, she wanted to just wait and see how I continued to grow and mature before she really like got that diagnosis and took that next step. Because back then we're talking somewhere around like late nineties, early two thousands, then ADHD was becoming more well-known, but in terms of treatment, really the go-to was medicine. And so my mom just wasn't ready for that step yet until fifth grade happened. And that's when things got crazy for me. That's when I really started like from second grade to fifth grade, there were a lot of big struggles, but fifth grade was when my mom was like, we've got to do something. Um, and so I went and got diagnosed. They put me on Adderall. I lost 15 pounds and you guys, I was already a twig at that age. So my mom, she said she put me in the bath and she just sobbed because I looked like one of those like children on those commercials. Um, and that she was like, that is what you look like. And to see that only two weeks of medicine did that to me, she was just not okay with it. And I want to just give a little bit of ed education that happened because Adderall is a stimulant. And part of that, sometimes it can suppress your appetite. So I was at an age where I didn't know how to move past that appetite suppression and help get the nutrients. So I just wasn't eating. Um, so I moved on to a different medicine and the next medicine I moved on to, I didn't like, because I felt like it changed my personality. So from fifth grade until I was 18 years old, 
I was on Stratera and I never took it because I hated it. So I just continued to hope I was going to pass each school year. Like uh, it was constant missing assignments, constant struggling, constant fighting at home. At one point I was threatened to get sent to military school, not because I was like into drugs and stuff, but because I just could not keep my mouth shut. And I just fought with everyone. And my parents just didn't know what to do. I'm the oldest of four. So they just weren't sure. And then freshman year of college is when everything came crashing down for me. I failed everything. I was really struggling with relationships. I just like couldn't. Everything came to a head. And that's when I started on medicine and I started my journey on what is ADHD and how can I overcome it? Looking at it now, if I was anywhere between fifth grade to high school age now, I would be getting the, like, now there are so many resources for ADHD and I would be like, get me this. My mom would have gotten it. But then on the flip side, like my little brother is a great example. He's not formally been diagnosed, but he's that kid who could just make it happen. He got all A's. He could just make it happen. Now we're talking, he's a junior in college and he is struggling. It is hard. And he's like, what, why high school was easy. Why is this happening? And it's just because like naturally he could kind of get a, get away with some of this because he was super, super smart, but he never had the time management organization. So it was, it was a journey to get me to where I am now. And I would think that just thinking about like, even whenever you're growing up, like hormones are out of, you know, especially like, oh man, and that fifth grade time frame, like that's whenever it's starting in, you know? And so you've got that. And so I can only imagine that struggle of dealing with what, you know, anybody at that age deals with. And then you add that into it just to cause like so much more anxiety or depression, like just emotional issues on top of that, to know that you feel like you're different, but you have no idea what to do about it. Exactly. Wow. It was, yeah, it was a lot. It was really hard. In high school is when my friends really started to notice because they would see that I wasn't paying attention in school and I wasn't doing what I needed to be doing to get my stuff done. So that became a big problem in high school. And that's when I started actually feeling different, but I just kind of like brushed it off and flew under the radar. And it goes back to like, not, I didn't want to, I didn't want to seem different knew that not everyone could see my grades. So instead of like trying really hard and really struggling, I just like never tried. Cause I'd rather my friends be like, Oh, you're lazy. than like, you're stupid. Right. That that's a really good point to make. How many times do, I mean, even as adults, you know, you think about things that you struggle with and you would just, you don't, nobody wants to feel like they're stupid. They don't want their mm-hmm. peers to think that they're stupid. And then whenever you're in the teenage years, just struggling, you know, sometimes as a kid, you can kind of brush it off because everybody's weird, you know, but you know, you can't just, you can brush it off as a kid a lot of times, not all the time, but then as you get older, I can totally see where you just rather them think that than that you're, that you're, yeah, it's, it's a combination of the, that thought with the, why should I try really hard when I'm just going to fail? Why put forth that effort? I could spend four hours trying to do something and still not do it right because I can't break it down and I can't fully understand directions and dot, dot, dot. That's a whole nother topic and still not do well. Or I could 
go play outside or hang out with my friends or, and either way I'm getting in trouble in my mind. So I'd rather get in trouble and do something I like than get in trouble and sure. do something I don't like. <laughs> it's kind of like, if you're going to get in trouble, you might as well go down big. <laughs> so, uh, so whenever you were talking about how, um, presenting, this is something that I did not know where you're present like boys versus girls and different ways to present, because I guess to me, I would always think, um, like whenever you see some, a child that is hyperactive, it is typically you look at a boy that's hyperactive. And I, I totally see that, you know, you're like, oh yeah, it's a hyperactive boy. He must have ADHD. Whereas, you know, it's going to be differently, but yeah, I had no idea that there are different ways and categories. You just kind of assume if you don't know, you know, so Um, so like the presenting, so that when you're diagnosed with ADHD, there's three different diagnoses you'll get, you'll either get the ADHD inattentive and they say that that's where you, I'm going to very, put this very simply. It's a lot more complex than this, but that's where they say, essentially, you're just struggling with your attention and focus. Um, what that means is that you're struggling with attention and focus. You're struggling with like time management, organization, planning, prioritizing. They say you're not hyperactive. You're hyperactive. Your brain is not being quiet. Like, so you're not physically bouncing off the walls, but your brain is hyperactive and bouncing off the wall, so to speak. Then there's ADHD, hyperactive, impulsive type. That's the person they somewhat struggle with attention and they mostly struggle with attention. They say, because they are hyperactive and impulsive. So they can't rein that in and pay attention. They're just bouncing off the walls all the time. So then their brain is running a million miles a minute as well as their body. This person also struggles with attention and all that stuff, but the combined type is where they say you are hyperactive, impulsive, and you struggle with your attention. Now, I understand the different diagnoses. I think it more needs to be like a spectrum because I think everyone experiences all of it in some fashion. It's just kind of like, where do you land on that spectrum? Because I know a lot of people who are the inattentive type. They're not the hyperactive type, but they still struggle with impulses, right? And now this is just Tyler Dorsey's opinion. This is not like medical anything, but it's just after working with as many students as I do, I realize that we all have all of it in some fashion. I think where you see the boys versus girls debate is naturally boys are more hyper. ADHD are not, and girls are not. So I think that's where they say, well, the boys are the hyperactive impulsive. You're presenting like a boy, you're bouncing off the wall. Um, But I know a lot of girls who are like boys and I know a lot of boys who are like girls. So when they say about the girls, the reason it takes girls longer to get diagnosis, because they're still getting this stuff done. Um, They're usually getting diagnosed as an adult. And that's because they were able to get their schoolwork done because their parents and teachers provided the structure they needed to get it done. And they didn't have all these extra hyperactive bouncing off the wall factors. So therefore you kind of slide by the radar until you get to adult age and you're like, okay, this is still a problem and I'm not in school anymore. So a lot of people are diagnosed late in college or in adulthood. That is mostly women that I've run into diagnosed that way. So I think that's where the stigma comes. There's a boy and there's the girl type, but in my mind, there's, that's, that's not necessarily accurate. And I say that because I present him like a boy and I quite frankly don't like that. People are like, Oh, well, you're presenting like a boy. No, I have ADHD. Right. <laughs> right. I'm presenting like Tyler. Yeah. Not like a boy. I'm presenting like Tyler. Yeah. Um, so, 
yeah, it's like in anything in life, everybody is different and they have their own things, their own way to learn their own way to process things, their own likes and dislikes. Mm -hmm. So I totally see where you're coming from, that it should be more of a spectrum than keeping everybody in one box, box A or box B, you know, like, let's just see where you're at and what works for you. So talking about that, whenever I know you said, like, whenever you got to college, then you started realizing, you know, and wanting to do something about it, um, up until that point outside of medications, I, you were talking about like the time frame of when medicine was like the first line thing. I remember being in, uh, before I was in EMS, I worked at a daycare and mm-hmm. I remember one specific little boy that was, oh, he was awful. He was so like not well-behaved, not easily controlled. He was all over the place and they, they diagnosed him with either ADD, ADHD, and, mm-hmm. um, they put him on medicine. I think at that time it was like Ritalin and mm-hmm. they, it completely changed his whole mm-hmm. personality. It was yep. awful. And I yep. remember cause he was, he could be a sweet boy. It was just, yep. he just could not, you could tell he physically could not control everything. And then whenever they put him on the Ritalin, it was like, he was a zombie. Mm-hmm. And I told his mom, I was like, oh man, I would almost rather him be completely like a tornado than like a zombie, because how is he even enjoying life yep. just all over the place? So I am glad that there's other things, you know, constant education and learning and growing and that it's gotten to that point with you. Do you feel like, did your parents happen? Like, did they do other things Were were there other resources at that time that they tried to do outside of the medications? Not that we knew of. They went to like the traditional tutoring. I don't remember doing therapy. I just remember being diagnosed. I did do like reading intervention specialist for a while. And I remember doing that. Um, It was for my dyslexia, but I do remember doing a couple of different things that were specifically geared towards my attention side of it. Um, That was it. And honestly, that's why I like started focus forward and do what I do is because while the resources are growing out there, therapists are amazing, but I have therapists tell me my job is not to know every in and out of ADHD. My job is to kind of like know a little bit of everything. So unless they're specializing in ADHD or specializing in anxiety or specializing in something, they don't know the ins and outs of all of this. They just kind of got the general picture. They get the flyby version, the summary of it, the sparks notes version. That's what they know. They know the spark notes version, unless they specialize. So that's why it was just so important to me because I was sick and tired of being sent to tutoring when that's not what I needed. And honestly, therapy was not what I needed. I didn't need to talk about my feelings. I didn't need to talk about my past. I needed to figure out how can I reach my goals? How can I get from where I am now to where I want to go? How can I end the semester with good grades instead of ending the semester, just trying to pass. Um, And all of that goes into building up your executive function skills, the time management, the organization, the planning, the prioritizing, the memory, the paying attention, the removing of distractions. And so when I started to learn all of this in college, that's when I realized that's what I needed when I was younger. And if I would have gotten it in high school, I would not have failed that first semester of college. I probably would have still struggled because transitions are hard for us and making those adjustments adjustments aren't easy, 
but I would have been so self-aware that I would have recognized that and I would have known how to get the help I needed. And so I graduated and I was like, no, nope, I'm going to change this and I'm going to do this myself. So I love that. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You basically now know that you there's tools in the toolbox and you can use them to be able to not just help yourself, but to help other people. And um, I love what you're doing in your business. I, and I definitely want to talk about that. I love it. I think it's so needed. Um, and speaking of that, what are some things, some strategies that maybe as parents, if we have a child that has ADHD or we think may have ADHD, you know, I know, especially, you know, I don't know what it's like in the, in the public school system, but I know that in homeschool, we are able to be a little, you know, we can be freer to be able to try different things and do different resources. And, um, but what are some strategies that maybe parents can use? So I'm going to talk to the homeschool parents specifically, since that's your audience. Um, there's a fine line you've got to ride between doing it for them and letting them do it themselves. (laughs) And you probably already know all of this if you're parenting. (laughs) So it's like that way they think parenting, but it's like, let them create their own systems and routines and structures And when it's not working, don't assume that you need to throw that out in their way. It's not working. Assume that there's a piece that is not working that needs to be changed out. I think as human beings in general, we're so quick to say, oh, this isn't working. I'm going to stop doing this and do something different instead of recognizing what part of that is not working. For example, say you want to help your students stay on task while they're getting one of their homeschool assignments done. And you're trying to pay attention to it and you're trying to say, okay, I'm going to set a timer for 45 minutes. You have 45 minutes to complete your math work. You get to the end of the 45 minutes and they've done nothing. Really, it's not the timer that's not working. It might not even be the 45 minutes that's not working. Really look at what did they do in that time? Was there a distraction? Maybe if you're at home, I remember there was one homeschooling family and they're like, where they had it set up for their mini classroom when the student was working was kind of what would have been the formal living room at the front of their house. And it it looked over like the driveway and stuff. And there was someone out there doing landscaping. Well, that was a distraction. So like, think about, okay, maybe there's a distraction we have to remove. Maybe 45 minutes works, but you need to chunk that time into smaller pieces and say, okay, do these first five in this amount of time. Maybe you need it, I'm showing you, but I know people can't see it. Maybe you need a time timer. It's look it up. If you don't have one, it helps them visualize the time. I mean, it's not that the 45 minutes didn't work and it's not, it's that something needs to be adjusted. And so it's helping them learn to recognize that. Don't even just adjust it yourself, have that conversation. Okay. Well, what happened? And if they say, whatever they say, believe it to be true, because that is true for them. You may not agree with it, but for them, it's true. And actually I have a book coming out, I don't know, probably sometime early, um, next year. And it's all about like what questions to ask your kids to like get to know them and to without judgment, understand what's going on inside their brain, because their brain is very different than the average brain. If they have ADHD. Well, I'm pretty excited about the idea that, uh, you're writing a book. That's awesome. (laughs) Because I do think, (laughs) I do think that as parents, like a lot of times, even, you know, I mean, and parents in general, you know, we just, can be hot messes and not yeah. even know like what in the world yeah. do we do with this situation? And about the time we think we got one situation in control, there's Another something else that up. happens. Yeah. So, um, and I, I like what you said about 
finding out what the piece is. That makes a lot of sense because I know a lot of times we tend to say, oh, well, this isn't working. So we throw it out. And then there is that chaos of, okay, well, it's not working. So now we've got to try something new. So now we've got to figure out how that's going to do. And if that's not working and it's just kind of like, there's not that routine and that set the organization, you know, if this is what's expected. The other thing I'd like to say is trust your kids when they know how they work best. I go back to, you may have to adjust things, but a lot of parents get mad when I tell the kids that they can get their work done with music blaring in their ears or that they can get their work done with the TV on. And they're like, maybe they're sitting at the kitchen Island and everyone's sitting in the living room. And it's like one of those big rooms, open spaces. And they're like, no, 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 you need to go into a quiet space. Trust your kid because they might be getting distracted, but I go back to don't throw the whole idea out, figure out what's like distracting them. I used to sit in the kitchen where everyone was, I would put headphones in and I'd literally blare as loud as my speakers could go, little Wayne. And that is what I listened to <laughs> when I did my homework. And my mom was like, Tyler. But the thing is, is I needed the people around me because I don't do well by myself. I get even more distracted by myself, but I needed to not be able to hear their conversations because that is what was distracting me. I wanted to chime in. So that's why I blasted what is the Amelie song or just Amelie, Amelie, uh, <laughs> I literally had it on repeat and I just blasted it because his music made like that specific song had very little words to it. So it was just like constant loudness in my ears to distract everything else in my brain could focus. Now, a lot of people are like, you struggle with distraction and you had that much going on. Yes. I struggle with distraction. So if I don't give my brain the distraction it's looking for, I'm going to be spending more attention trying to find a distraction. Whereas if I can give in to needing a little bit of distraction and know how to do that appropriately by blasting music and being around people, I'm going to be successful. My brain can focus on the task at hand. I have to have multiple things going on at once for me to get one task done. And that sounds ridiculous, but that's just how our brains work. That's fascinating. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some people there. Are, I know ADHD people. This is again, this is Tyler, but I know a lot of people it works like that. And I also know other ADHD students who are like, no, I need to be sitting in a quiet room with nothing going on. So that's why I say it's like, don't judge them for what they need help them figure out what part of that is not working. And as a parent, that's really, really hard to place yourself in that position because you're like, mm, I don't agree with this. And that's why it's really important to bring in that extra person, whether it's a coach or maybe there's someone at school that they can work in, or maybe it's a sports coach. Like my volleyball coach always was a huge help for me. So not even an ADHD life coach, but like just someone else who can help them think through this stuff. And it doesn't have to be your job as a parent. Sure. I, uh, yeah, I was actually going to ask you, I had written it down to ask about like, if there's different styles of learning and that fits right in there, because I think maybe sometimes you just kind of assume it's back to putting a child in a box and just assuming that every child that has ADHD, this is what they need, but there are children in general learn different ways. So I was actually going to ask you about that. Yeah. So I this is not any stat on any study I've seen, but this is just me kind of ballparking it based on the students I've worked with. I feel like most of my ADHD students are the kinet, kin, what's the word? Kinest, kinesthetic. I can't say it. Kinesthetic, is that right? Yeah. yeah, I was like stumbling, but the hands-on learners. Mm -hmm. Most of my ADHD students are that, um, but I do know it goes back to everyone's very different. And I also think I attract, I attract clients that are like me 
because of how I put myself out there. So for that reason, I may be seeing more students like that because that's how I am and that's what I'm attracting. Um, but I think when it comes to learning style, I think that's a, a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. I feel like even as adults, we don't always know what our learning style is. Right. Because it's number one, how, how we're being delivered information is constantly changing with the times. It went from a whiteboard to now they have smart boards to then we go COVID style and we're doing Zoom for forever. So with those changes, and I feel like it honestly, every two or three years, we're seeing a big change. So with those changes, I feel like learning styles are changing. Um, and then of course, the level you're at from elementary school up to 12th grade, like it's all changing. So it's just like reevaluating every year and it goes back to switching out those little pieces that aren't working. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I know that my dad, whenever he was, I think he was in his early fifties, maybe he actually was diagnosed with ADHD and he was, it was one of those things of like, then he realized he was like, Oh my goodness. Whenever he like started becoming more educated about it, he realized so many different signs whenever he was growing up that made such a huge difference. And, you know, and you just kind of assume a lot of times, or, you know, there are a lot of us as adults, we assume that kids, you know, I, I hate to say it, but a lot of kids are left behind because they're just seen as well, you know, they're just not smart enough or they can't focus or they're not meeting those milestones. You know, I know that in homeschool, it is wonderful because we can take that time to figure out what works for them. What doesn't work. I can't tell you how many times we have switched curriculums and ways that we do things because like you said, you progress as to far as like what's working in the moment. And then yes. you have to adjust because of life or the student or, you know, yeah, whatever it I is. I think too, <laughs> the way I think about it is this idea just popped in my head, but it's like, those of us with ADHD have a hard time changing out those small pieces and making adjustments. Mm -hmm. So think about your parent or grandparent who grew up without cell phones and never had a cell phone. And now all of a sudden we have all this technology and they're like, just trying to figure out how to like send a text, right? right. Because they didn't make the small changes over time as, as the world was changing. And the same goes for those of us with ADHD. It's like all of a sudden we're in, sorry, all of a sudden we're in eighth grade, but we're still acting like a third grader because we didn't make the small adjust adjustments over time to get to that point. And that's part of why they say ADHD students or people in general are usually three years behind the average person their age and maturity is because we struggle to like put all these pieces together and get there. So we're kind of like that old person who like accidentally posts something to Facebook that was meant to be a text to like their granddaughter. My yeah. grandma does that all the time. Yeah. That and is like, such yeah. a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's one of those, we just struggle. We struggle to make the adjustment. So then all of a sudden we are going off to college and we do not have the skills we need because we didn't make the small adjustments and add the tools as we went. Cause we didn't know how to, our brain does not naturally function that way. So I think one of the best things that you could do as a homeschooling parent is to never, it's, I can imagine it's hard because it's your kids a and B like it's, it's just whoever's in your little pod. So there's never a lot of students you're working with at once. If you're sending them off to like one of those charter school style combo things, but 
always challenge yourself and your student to get a step out of that comfort zone to what you think they can accomplish. Because it's kind of like, go back to when your kid was like just turning one. And I know when my daughter turned one, all of a sudden she started walking in circles one day. And I was like, what? And part of it was because I had a little boy 13 months after I had her, they're 13 months apart. And so I had to focus my attention on him, which forced her to have to start becoming a little older um, or doing things a little more independently. And then all of a sudden I was like, I was holding her back because I kept thinking I had to do all this stuff for her and I didn't. And that is, I think we carry that. I do that with even my clients sometimes like, let me just do this for you. I can get it done like a lot faster. It'll be really easy. Let me just, let me handle it. I don't want to stress you out. No, stress them out. They have to figure it out because if they don't now, you're going to end up, and I hope my brother and mom don't listen to this, but you're going to end up being my 21 year old brother who calls me sobbing because he is so overwhelmed because he can't manage his time and he can't get organized and he's constantly struggling in school. And it's not because he can't do the work. It's because he sucks at time management. So it's like, just push out of that comfort zone. And my mom tried, but he's the baby of four. So, well, and that is so hard as a parent in general, because you just want, you know, you want to protect them. You want them to be happy and healthy and successful. And you want to help them do all the things. And it's so hard to hold yourself back to let them learn because it's your natural instinct to just want to protect them and help them get through something. Especially when you've already done it yourself and you know, the answer. Right. It's like, and I already know the answer. Why do I have to wait and watch you figure it out? Well, you have to wait and watch them figure it out. Cause if they don't, they're going to be an adult bringing their laundry home to you. <laughs> right. That's a little dramatic. Nobody wants you know what that. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's a little dramatic depending on the parent. I definitely know a lot of people my age who still take their laundry home. <laughs> so I'm like, well, well, you know, you know, whatever and, works for you. Well, and the moms, you know, they're like, okay, fine. Because they're going to always be the mom and they're going to do it. But. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's, it's also like, don't feel the need to put all that pressure on yourself as a mom to do it for them. Because I go back to, they have to figure it out the same way you did. They have to do it. And I actually did it today. I'm in the middle of hiring and honestly, focus forward is my baby. And so anytime I let someone take a little piece of focus forward, I like feel the need to like do it for them to make sure Sure. it's like done right. And to make sure focus forward is taken care of. So we had a consultation today And I let one of my coaches just take over and I kept wanting to pipe up. And as soon as I felt that impulse to pipe up and say something, I bit my tongue and I took a step back and I took a sip of water because I said, no, they have to figure this out. And I need to trust that they're going to figure this out. And if something doesn't work or it fails, I'm still here to catch it. I'm still here. And I know if I needed to, I could probably still close that deal or I could probably still X, Y, and Z. So it's like trusting yourself to, to know what that point is when you know you have, you have to step in. Cause you're going to know it. Like mm-hmm. you're going to know, okay, if I let them go one more step, we're going to get to a point where we can't go back. Um, but you kind of like, you got to push it. You got to get yourself yeah. into that. Like I said, it's a fine line. You got to walk, but you kind of got to push it and you got to get yourself out of your comfort zone to get them successful. Because I'm telling you, if you can do this when they're younger, they will be absolutely unstoppable as adults. Like they'll be successful CFOs, CEOs, entrepreneurs. Like when people with ADHD have the skill set built up and find what they're passionate about. I mean, they're the people that are running the world at the end of the day. They are the people starting these big, huge fortune 500 companies. They are. And it's because our brains just are amazing. That's right. I'm like, I feel like I'm like, yes, like inside. I'm like, yes, I've got chill bumps. Like it's so good because 
it's a personal growth thing. I mean, not just for the child, but for the parent. And like you said, it doesn't mean having a diagnosis of anything, but specifically because of this, like just because you have a diagnosis of ADHD, it doesn't mean that like, oh no, your life is over and you can't ever do successful things because you're a perfect example of it that you went on. You were able to find what works, those resources, Mm -hmm. those strategies. And then now you've turned around, started your own business to be Mm -hmm. able to pay it forward and to help those parents and those students that are struggling as well. And, you know, I'd like for you to just kind of touch on that. Like, what is it that you do at focus forward specifically? Like, you know, what is your mission? I should say, I guess with being able to get out into the community and, and help those people. So to like read you our mission statement, it is that focus forward helps people with ADHD thrive, not just survive. So fancy, (laughs) but what we are doing is we are being the ADHD person, the person with ADHD, we are their partner in crime. We are the person who is not their parent, not their spouse, not their best friend, not their sibling. We are the person who is a complete objective third party who is truly focusing on that person, what that person wants to do, what that person needs to do so they can be the best possible versions of themselves. Um, I love it. And I created it like this because I think we primarily, we work with adults, but we primarily work with students. We primarily work with about ages like 11 or 12 up to about 25. And for just about every person in that age range, take out the college students, about 50, 50 for college students but especially my high school and my middle schoolers, when they start partnering with us, it's the first time that they are actually have the reins and they are actually have an adult who is really their partner in crime and not trying to tell them what to do. And is really like, okay, how do you want to do it? I mean, there's my first question when we set our goals, if a kid says they want to start using a planner, my first question is, okay, what do you want to do? And they like, look at me, like, what do you mean? What do I want to do? Are you going to tell me what to do? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Because if I tell you what to do, it might last for a week. It might last for a month, but eventually it's not your way. So it's going to stop working. So what do you want to do? Um, and I almost always then get back from the parent. Well, we tried this and it didn't work. And I'm like, that's because we got to start sw- swapping things out. Um, and so I just love being able to like, for the first time ever, be that kid's person. And like, let them know, like, no, you're capable of this. You don't need me to tell you what to do. And then also empower them. Cause I get pushback from parents. They're like, okay, they still have low grades. I'm not seeing any improvement. I'm like, you have to give them a chance. This is right. not a quick fix. You have to give them a chance and see how the results progress over time. We can't go from 16 years of chaos to perfectness in one semester. You really just have to look at the small changes they're making because that's what adds up to big changes. But when they start to see some of those small changes and I can empower the kid to go like help have those conversations with their parent, that's when, as soon as the kid goes to the parent the first time and has a serious, thoughtful conversation that was thought through in advance, the parent's like, "Mm, this is working. This is it. And it's just, we don't have the words. So I just help I love helping kids find those words to vocalize so that they can understand the struggle themselves. So we have lots of different services we do. We help with academics. We help with just in general, building up those executive function skills, the organization, the time management. We work with parents. We have all these things we do, but in every single thing we do, whether we're helping you get your homework done or we're helping you figure out how to manage your time, we do it as your partner in crime. 
We do it to help you be the best you possible. And that makes them feel empowered. And I mean, anybody that struggles with something, once you feel like you've got somebody that's in your corner and, and like you said, I think that's a huge thing that it's not somebody like your, um, your parent or, you know, something like that. Sometimes you just need somebody else that has no other reason to be in your life, except for this reason to cheer you on, give you those tools to put in your toolbox, to be able to be successful in life. And then to, I can only imagine like how empowering it feels as they start to gain that momentum, because then they're encouraged to do more like, okay, we've accomplished this. Now, what else can I do? Yep. I love this because I have this student, I've had this with a lot of students, but there's a recent student he's been, we'll be going on year three that he's been working with us during the school year now. And the first year he came to us, he literally came kicking and screaming. Like I'm pretty sure his mom, he was a freshman when he started working with us in high school. And I'm pretty sure his mom like drug him in here by his ear and was like, you're going to sit down. And I had to convince him that he needed to just give me four weeks. I was like, if you give me four weeks and after four weeks, if you hate it, we'll have a conversation. And after four weeks, he was still a little like, "Mm, but I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep going. So I was like, okay, the second school year, he did it one whole school year with us. The second school year, he begged his mom to make sure he was on our schedule. And then we do a thing called study hall, where if you're local in Lexington, Kentucky, or around Lexington, Kentucky, you can come to our offices. If not, we do it on zoom. And it's where on a couple of days of the week for about three hours at a time, you can hop on, we have a tutor and they just like keep you on task. They're just like, okay, what are you doing next? How are you going to get this done? Okay. What's next? I see you're distracted. Stay focused, get off your phone, whatever. And it was on Sundays from 10 to one, right? Who wants to come in and get schoolwork done on Sundays from 10 to one? This kid begged his mom. He was like, I cannot miss a single one because he knew he was going to get it done. There was going to be no fighting. He wasn't going to have to worry about his teachers. And so his mom called me crying one day and she was like, what, what are you giving my son? Like, what's happening? Why is he wanting to come get schoolwork done? And it was just, he knew that we were not going to judge. He knew we were actually going to help. And he knew that we were his partners in crime. And so that's why I say it doesn't matter if we're just helping you get something done or if we're helping you build up skills. Like we are your partner in crime. I love it. I love it. And like, it makes me so happy, like for the mom to know, like all that struggle to be able to see that there is progress. And whenever you have that moment, whenever your kid is excited about learning and the child that has not, you know, not at all. And, you know, the whole kicking and screaming thing. And then to go from that extreme to this, like, what a wonderful feeling for everybody involved. It just, um, you know, it made my like 18 year old self so happy because I just sure. knew like, if that was me at 18 year old, like 18 years old, 16 years old, 13 years old. And I would have just had that. I just knew I was him. And I was like, this mm-hmm. is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing is I love it. It all easier for everyone. Like even moms, I want you to like drop your kid off at 10 o'clock in the morning and I want you to go get a pedicure and I want you to grab yourself maybe a nice little brunch with like a mimosa and then come back and pick them up. Like everyone deserves, I'm your babysitter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I am a babysitter that is getting a lot more done in that time because it, part of it too, is just get my kid out of my house. I need a break from my child because we didn't talk much about this yet, but like my home life was a disaster. I had no relationship with my siblings. They hated me because I was so, I took all my parents' energy. I was screaming and fighting with everyone. I was always mad at everyone. And my mom, when I left for college, it was a real celebration. And like, if they could get me out of the house for like a weekend for a volleyball tournament, 
it was a celebration because they got peace and quiet for a minute. And so that's even, I think, part of why I love doing study hall is because not only does it give the kid the opportunity to get their work done, but it gives everyone an opportunity to have a nice little break and to just like be away from each other. And mom and dad and siblings get a chance to do whatever they want to do. And the kid gets a chance to be around people who are like him, people who understand them and get their work done at the same time. And sometimes they get done. And I'm like, do you just want to stay? And you can like watch an episode on Netflix or just like hang out for a second and like not worry about it, especially when there is a lot of fighting going at home. Cause maybe they are, maybe they have 40 missing assignments. I've had it before. And it's like, if you're in that place, you're not happy at home. So if you're here, like, let's get your work done. And then why don't you just hang out for a minute? Take a breath. Do you for a little while? Yeah. Yeah. It gives everybody a chance to just say, okay, let's just breathe so that we can come back refreshed because even if you go on a family vacation, you're, you're still with each other. So you're still with each other and family vacations honestly got the best of me because I got so hyper and Mm because I was so excited. And then I got really impulsive. And then I remember like being stuck in my room sometime on vacations because I just couldn't control all that. Mm. Um, so I don't think a vacation is a real vacation for someone whose child has like the behavior side of ADHD. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So how can people get a hold of you? I know you mentioned, I love that you do in person, but you also do virtual so that absolutely even if they're not local in Lexington or for whatever reason they can't, but Get what here. is a direction to, to send them to be able to find out how to connect more about what you do? Yeah. So we work with people literally all over the United States. I have people all the way out in California and I have people all the way up in Maine. Um, so we have people everywhere. So the best place to reach us is to go to focus forward L E X like Lexington L E X.com. And you can find all of our information there. Perfect. And I'll put that in the show notes so that people can go back afterwards and try to remember that. But I know that you're just doing such great things. And I love your story of taking something that was such a struggle and being able to make huge differences and not just one person, but literally for an entire family. And then not only that, but to sit there and think about, okay, whenever those children go on to have their own children and you've given them skills to literally last a lifetime And you don't even know like what they are going to go on and do in their life, whether with their own children or like you said, fortune 500, you know, Mm -hmm. anything like that, like what an incredible thing that you're doing. And it was all because of what you went through as a child yourself and had to figure out, okay, how do I fix this? So I love it. Thank you. I love it too. It's the best, the best feeling. (laughs) Well, and I can tell that, you know, I can tell that you're happy. You know, sometimes you talk to people and you just kind of, you know, you ask them, are you happy with what you're doing? And you can tell by talking to you that you love what you do. And so it just makes me excited for you. I'm like, yes, you you go do it. (laughs) Let's do it. Everyone (laughs) rule the world. (laughs) That's right. Goodness knows that we need some happiness in life right now. So I know there's still good people doing good things and making a positive change in the world. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it so much that you're here. And I know that I would love to have you back in the future um, to talk more, whether it's about this or, you know, we talked about as adults struggling with ADHD and that kind of stuff. So I would definitely love to have you on, um, in the future to talk more about that. But until then, I appreciate you being here today. And I really know that you're going to touch a lot of people. There are so many people, especially in the homeschool community that struggle with their kids. They actually take them out of school 
because of behavioral issues. And so I know that this is going to really be able to help a lot of people. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. I don't know about you, but I feel so encouraged and inspired by listening to Tyler and her story, her encouragement, and what an incredible human being, right? To know that as a parent, if you have a child that has ADHD or some other type of difference, it doesn't make them weird. It just makes them special and unique. And that's a wonderful thing. Not only that, but to know that your child maybe could be going through something significant right now, whether it's ADHD or maybe it's something else. It's an, it's a, some type of learning difference. But being able to homeschool them, being able to have the honor of raising them, and not only that, but there are so many resources out there now that will give you the ability to help your child the best way that you can. I want to encourage you to take advantage of getting in touch with Tyler if you're looking for some help. And I'm hoping this podcast finds those needing encouragement, support, and community. If that's you, you found a friend. If you know of someone who would enjoy being a part, or maybe they would really appreciate this episode, I would love for you to share it with them. I hope you'll continue showing up as we find the good together. Remember, you are loved. And I am so glad you're here. See you next time.